We've never even talked to you at all this week. I pray, Jesus, as we enter this space, that whatever's on our heart, whatever distraction we have on our mind, whether it's thinking about what are we doing for lunch, what are we going to do this afternoon, whatever that may be, God, I pray that you would take it all, that we leave it at your throne. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just speak to us this morning. As we're in this series titled Getting Naked, God, I pray you continue to use it. I pray continue that we see walls break down. I pray, God, when you look down upon this church, Radiant Life, that you see a church that is passionately pursuing you. And that you look down on this church with a smile on your face. And you say, that's a church that loves each other, that lives like my son, Jesus Christ, and isn't afraid to share with others who I am. Father, as we hear another testimony this week, another story, I pray that it would land softly on hearts. I pray, God, that whatever it is, that whatever you want to do in our lives, may we give you the freedom to do so. May you be Lord over all. We ask this in Jesus' mighty, powerful name. Amen. Real quick before you see, fist pound four people around you. Fist pound four people. Good morning, church. My name is Ryan. I'm the lead pastor here at Radiant Life. And bear with me, if you will. I got sick this past week and my throat is on fire right now. Um, so bear with me as I stumble along and try to get with you guys. You should have came in this morning, got a bulletin. Go ahead, grab that bulletin out in the bottom section. Just rip that baby right out of there. It's what we call at Radiant Life, our connection card. If you don't mind filling that out, and it just lets us know who you are, and uh, also it lets us know our head count. Every week we got a report to our district, which is the Wesleyan Church, that denomination we belong to, of our stats. How many people attended your Sunday service? They want to know. And that connection card helps us. Yes, our ushers count heads, but it also helps us when we go through and be like, hey, 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 great, great. It also acts as a sign-up thing for you. And lastly, on the back side, don't forget prayer requests and praises. If you've got something weighing heavily on your heart that you just need to, I need prayer for this, write it down. And if there's something that uh, you're like, hey, dude, I have an awesome God moment, just want to praise God, write that down. We want to praise God with you, all right? So that's a couple things. Real quick before we jump into this morning's teaching, number one, if you've been new to Radiant Life in about the last six months, uh, we'll give a little leeway if you're like nine months or whatever. Um, we want to do lunch with you. It's Lunch with Radiant Life right after the second service, February 19th. So we got a couple weeks here. We'll meet in the gym, and uh, it's free. We want to get you an opportunity to get to know the staff, um, some of the leadership here, the vision, where we're going, where we're headed, what we're doing as a church. 
and some um, next steps for you. So if you're interested in that, in meeting the staff and just everyone in Vision at Radiant Life, you want to circle B on your connection card right there. That's another reason why that alphabet's down there. It's not for you to learn the alphabet or teach your kids or grandkids or nieces and nephews. It's for you to sign up. So circle B. If you're new, again, we're not going to stand at the door and be like, oh, no, you're new in seven months. We're not going to let you in. All right, we're not going to do that. Just if, you, if you're new, say, hey, I've actually been here a year and I want to know a little more. Come to this, all right? This is for you. This gives us an idea of how much food to get for you, all right? So you got to let us know who's coming. Lunch with Radiant Life. And then lastly, tonight, we got something special planned. is our refresh worship night of... We're going to start at 6 o'clock tonight. And um, Friday night, our worship team came and they practiced for four hours. They got practice this afternoon to get ready for um, this experience for you. So I hope you've invited people. I hope you come out. We have things for our kids. So moms and dads, grandma and grandpas, aunt and uncles, you don't have to worry about trying to quiet little Johnny while you're trying to worship. We've got things for them. We'll serve communion. We'll have some prayer stations throughout the sanctuary. It's going to be a little interactive so you can move around. So you're not just standing there singing songs for this whole entire time. There'll be opportunity for you to move around and whatever the Spirit's leading you to do, you'll do. All right, sound good? So what time is it tonight? Six o'clock, good, we're awake. Hey, hey, six o'clock tonight. All right, we're in a teaching series titled Getting Naked, and we've been there for the last couple weeks, and we're going to wrap up this series next week. Um, But this morning, we're going to talk about addictions. Now everyone, I want to hear you say, I'm addicted. All right? That's good. That's the first thing in AA. Admit that you're an alcoholic. So we're going to all admit together one more time we're all addicts. So one more time, say, I'm an addict. Here's why we say you're an addict. The definition of addiction is this. An unhealthy habit or action that is repeated. There are things in our lives that we do that are unhealthy that we repeat, whether it's daily, weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, yearly, whatever it is, but there is something in our lives that we repeat, a habit or action that we're, that's unhealthy that we repeat over and over and over again. And all psychologists will say, every person in this world is addicted to something, something. So, instead of um, everyone saying out loud what you're addicted to, I've done it for you. My poll of addictions, right? So um, you probably may have experienced some of this. What about your ego? Everything you do is about you. Every decision that you make at work, at home, whatever, it all revolves around you. How about your pride? Your pride can become an addiction to you. Alcoholism. Do you make decisions based on the fear of man? Decisions in the workplace, at home, at school, whatever. You're afraid of others, so every decision you make is based off of fear. Fear of man. What about status? Social media. You look at Facebook every morning and every lunch and every night. You're there on social media, Twitter, Snapchat, Facebook, Whatever, you're always looking at it. That's not an addiction. It's just a thing I do. All right. How often do you repeat it? The internet can become an addiction to us. You do realize this, yes? Yes! Thank you. Thank you, buddy. 
Don't get addicted to Facebook, all right? Eating disorders, sex, money, porn, body image. You are so concerned how you look in that t-shirt. You are so concerned how you look in your leggings that you are addicted to your body image. What else we got here? Drugs, pills, work, work, work. All you do is work, work. You work because it's numbing the pain at home. You don't want to go home and deal with whatever, so you just work. You stay away from the home. Food, gambling, shopping and buying. Oh, that's just not women. Control, you got to control everything. You're just a control freak. You have to have everything in your order or everything is... Ah! <laughs> I love this kid. I love him. TV. TV, TV, television, love. Working out. How often are you working out versus spending a lot of time with God? I don't have time to spend alone time with God. How many times are you working out? Three, days, three, three times a day you're working out, but yet you don't have time alone with God? Man, there may be something unhealthy, but working out's healthy. Okay, you're right. I agree. I love working out. I love sports. I love that thing. But if I'm not spending my time with God, then something has to change. Tobacco, lying, cell phone. If I told you right now, pass your cell phone to the three people over, you would freak out. That's your comfort blanket, right? Some of you are just on your cell phone right now. It's just, I don't even hear him. You know? We were addicted to things. So turn to your neighbor and say, you're addicted. Say it with more veracity, you know? You're, you're, you're addicted. You're addicted. Here's the thing, church. Addictions don't all send us to rehab. Let me say that again. Addictions don't send us all to rehab. Yeah, you look at this poll and you say, yeah, alcoholism, probably going to send you to rehab. Um, probably pornography, maybe some sex. Um, drugs and pills probably need to go to rehab to work some things out. But uh, working out's not going to send you to rehab. And oftentimes we think the word, we see the word addiction, we think, whoa, it's big. But it could be the small things in life. I actually should put coffee on here. Anyone addicted to coffee? Yeah. See you in heaven. There are addictions. So this morning we're going to do three things. Number one, we're going to look at how addictions form in our life. How do we get to the point where we create an addiction pole? Number two, how do we get free? Don't we all want to know, how do we break this right here? And number three, how do we stay free? How do we stay free? So if you will, let's grab uh, God's Word. Let's open it up to the Newer Testament, to the book of James. James chapter uno. Chapter one. James is awesome because James is Jesus' half-brother, right? So uh, this is family speaking. This is James. He's like, hey, I had to live with Jesus my entire life. I knew him when he was in his diapers. 
doing diaper things, and uh, saw him grow up, and he was like, always like, yeah, I'm God. And James is like, yeah, you're my brother, you're named God, right? And then eventually, when Jesus is gone, James is like, oh my goodness, Jesus, my half-brother, he was God. He was the Savior of the world. And he writes a letter to you and I, James chapter 1. And uh, I, if you want a great book, read James. James is a great book, but you've got to read it with ADD goggles on. Because he goes from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, and you're like, whoa, you just gave me a fire hose of stuff, James. But James chapter 1, let's look at what he looks at sin and addiction. And James addresses this in the first century to you and I. James chapter 1, and we'll look at two verses, starting in verse 14. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their what, friends? Their own evil desire and enticed. So many times in our lives when we go down and stumble in addictions or sin or any choice that is unhealthy, unholy to God, we say, oh man, you know what? The devil made me do it. It was the devil. He was hiding behind that bush and made me do that. No, what does James say? It's your own evil desire. Yeah, the devil can be up there and trying to entice you with things, trying to bring you with things, trying to tempt you in all different ways. But ultimately, it is your own evil desire that will put one foot in front of the other and chose that choice. And James says, we're dragged away by our own evil desire. And then he gives this awesome birthing analogy for us of what sin and addiction does in our lives. Verse 15, then after desire has conceived, so the desire's there, I want that. It gives birth to what? Sin. So you have desires there, you conceive that thing, and you are nine months pregnant, and you give birth to sin. When it is full grown, gives birth to what? Death. So we have progression that James shows us. You have a desire. Our own evil desires drag us away from God and everything he intends us to do. Our own evil desire does that. With desire comes sin. And when we start sinning, we're walking away from God and sin ultimately leads to the third thing, which is death. Now is he talking physical death? There are sins in our life that certainly will lead to physical death. But he's more referring to the spiritual death, that we are separated from God. That our desire led to sin, which led to death. We are so far away from God right now. So if you're a note taker, I want to give you about five words. Five words from James here that can help us understand how do we get our addiction pulls. Are you ready? So note taker number one, write this down. Desire. Say desire. The very first thing, if not corrected by God when we choose, is there is a desire in us, like this Christmas present. We just celebrated Christmas not too long ago, but there's that desire to see that gift that's given to you, and you're like, ah, I wonder what's in it, right? You, you want it. It's that initial desire to be like, hmm, looks pretty. Desire. We all know what that feels like. I'm desiring Buffalo Wild Wings right now. Really bad. And a cup of coffee. But there's a desire there. That's how addiction starts, is a desire. 
It next, from desire, we begin to entertain it. We begin to what? It moves from desire to entertain. And what entertain does is we, we want to we just take a peek what's in there, right? Just let me dabble a little bit. Like, this thing's not going to control me. I totally can control this. I'm just going to do it on the weekends. Just entertain it. Just flirt with it a little bit, you know, like, just take a, oh, okay. All right. I like it. All right. And we begin to entertain it. We begin to think, say things like, I'm only going to do it on business trips. It's the only time. It's just every once in six months, I'm only going to do it. Or we start to say, I'm only going to do it at the work computer, not the home computer, because we've got a family. don't want family to find out. Just the work is better. And we just begin to entertain what's in the box. And the issue is, once we begin to entertain, we develop an appetite. You know, when you get an appetite for food, what do you go and do? You eat. The issue is that all of a sudden, this desire becomes entertain it. I'm just peeking a little bit, flirting with it. Now I'm all in appetite. I can't control it anymore. It's my appetite. I want this now more than ever. Because I've experienced it and I keep going back to it. It's like for Christmas, my son got um, a remote control, you know, those drones, right? And I was like, I'm going to stay away from this thing. <laughs> you know, I let him play with it, <laughs> kid toy. And then um, I had to charge it one time for him and I ended up charging and I'm like, I'm just going to dabble with it, you know, just take it flying a little bit. I'm hooked. I fly that stupid drone everywhere in our house now. It's just, but all it took is a little, I'm just going to try it out one time. Just one time. This is my son's toy. And now I do it all the time. And this is exactly what we do with our addictions, is we end up having our addictions, and we poke around, we dab with it. But ultimately, when we have our appetite, we go all in. But that's what it leads to, is we get trapped. We think this whole time, I can control it, and we realize can't control it. It's trapped past me. Thought I would just dabble with it, but I gained an appetite, and now it has me. And the issue is, once it has you, and we're all trapped in this little thing. Our last point. I just feel helpless. And we sit there and say, I never meant to go all in like that. I just wanted to flirt with it. There's no intention for me to get trapped and sucked into this thing. And God says, He looks down upon humanity. He says, they need a helper. Why? Because we're human and we can't do this alone. And God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, who lived that perfect life. Who walked this earth to say, let me show you what true life looks like. Follow my example. We begin to follow his example. And eventually Jesus was 
flogged and beaten, and many scholars will say he was beyond recognition. When the Romans got to you, they wanted to make you so that your family and friends could not recognize you. He was beaten, flogged, took to the cross, nailed there, died the most horrific death you could in the first century world, which is the cross. Rose again three days later and defeated death and sin. And set us free. And who was in the trap the whole time? Jesus went in the trap for you. For me. You know what also isn't on here? Your addictions and your identity is gone. He wiped it clean. Everything you were, he took upon him. He says, you're free. You're free. You're free. It's the story of Jesus. He took it all so you can be free. I'm going to bring Brandon Kinsey up. We're going to hear a story of addiction and how Jesus set someone free of addiction. We've been having these stories throughout this series. So we can just be real with one another. Hopefully they've been a help to you. And we thank the Northrops and Carries for last week. Thank you guys for sharing. And Brandon's got a story um, that we're going to unpack a little bit. And uh, we're going to start with your childhood, Brandon. And uh, growing up, what did your childhood look like? Give us a little flavor into the childhood of Brandon and you. Uh, my mom and dad were never married, and I lived with my mom uh, most of the time, and occasionally I would uh, go visit my dad. Um, when I was um, about five years old, uh, I went to go visit my uh, dad one time, and uh, I was playing with my brother outside, and uh, for whatever reason, we just opened up the lid to the trash can, and there was a pornography magazine just laying there. Um, five. five. Five years old. You're five years old and you see your very first pornography magazine. Statistics say the average age of someone seeing pornography is 11. 11 years old. I just read this week, between the ages of 8 and 16, our kids, 8 and 16 years old, 90% have seen pornography. So at five, you saw yours. Yeah. Um, it's not like it was something I was looking for. We were just playing. and remember my brother running inside and we got in trouble. <laughs> um, about uh, three years later, it was another visit at my dad's. Um, and we were playing. And the neighborhood kid, he was an older kid, um, invited me over to his house, and there was some inappropriate touching that happened. Uh, so that, that happened uh, just three years after the visit. Um, 
we see in the pornography magazine. So immediately you've gone <clears throat> innocent stripped away from you. At five, and then three years later, at eight years old, um, inappropriate touching is happening from a neighbor. Uh, those are huge, significant events in anyone's life. But then years go on, and you're going to have a really painful experience. Uh, yeah, when um, I was 12 years old, um, my dad was um, felt called to be a missionary, and I didn't have a clue what a missionary was. I grew up in a very traditional church. We never talked about missionaries or anything. Um, and so at 12 years old, my dad goes to Mexico. And, uh, man, that was tough. It's like, I want to learn how to shave and stuff, you know. And all of a sudden, you're, he's gone. Um, and so that was a huge challenge um, when he went to Mexico. Um, he was there for uh, seven years and came back to the United States and um, started to kind of rebuild a relationship there uh, when he came back. Um, later on, my mom woke me up uh, in the middle of the night. She needed to go to the hospital. And it wasn't like I was shocked by it. Like she's had health issues uh, as long as I could remember. She had a type of lung disease. Uh, but this one particular night, she asked me to take her in, and so I did. And uh, she was in the hospital uh, for about a week, and they're like, uh, yeah, we probably need to ship her up to Kalamazoo. Um, it's like beyond what we can handle. And so she was there for six weeks. And after work or whatever, um, you know, I'd go up and, and visit her and stuff. Uh, and about six weeks that she was in Kalamazoo, uh, the hospital called and said, you, you probably ought to come up. Uh, and so I went up with my aunts and uncles, and my dad and my stepmom were there. And I remember holding my mom's hand as they unplugged the breathing machine and telling her that it's okay, even though it's not, but just telling her that it's okay to let go. And just it was this really weird moment. I remember I couldn't even watch medical shows on TV for a long time, just hearing the beeps and, the, and, and all the bells and, and stuff, and it just it was very traumatic. So, five years old pornography, eight years old in a puppet, something, you're 20-something, mom dies, you say it's okay, but deep down you know it's not, you're hurting. Um, things take a snowball effect at that point. Things get really out of control for you as you deal with all that? So um, my mom, because uh, I was her only child, you know, so I got spoiled really good, uh, she left me uh, a bunch of insurance money. And so now I've got all this hurt and pain. Um, and even leading up to her death, you know, I was dabbling in drugs and the bar scene and stuff. Uh, but now I had this pile of cash and, uh, and a bunch of hurt. And so it wouldn't be anything to drop $1,000 at the bar because I would buy everybody drinks and just surround them uh, around me, um, dabbling uh, with marijuana to the point where I was dealing it. And then on the weekends, it would be when I would experiment with harder drugs. Um, pretty much did everything but stick a needle in my arm uh, at that point. Yeah, you hit 
you hit rock bottom. Like you've yeah. you've you've done everything basically almost the world has to offer at this point. Um, just trying to deal with pain and heartache and your brokenness in your life. Um, but something turns for you um, at an event that you go to. Yeah, I re- I remember one night just drinking with my buddies like a normal night. I, it was a it was nighttime and looking at the stars. I'm thinking, man, what? There's got to be more to life than this. Um, so because my mom died, I naturally kind of drifted towards my dad and trying to build that relationship. Uh, he moved to Battle Creek. He was serving at a church, and they were going to a Promise Keepers event. I didn't have a clue what a Promise Keepers was or is. I just wanted to go hang out with my dad. And quickly explain for those that don't know what a Promise Keepers event is. A uh, Promise Keepers event is, um, it's kind of like man church. <laughs> it's man a church. Man, yeah. Did they all have beards? Uh, yeah, I didn't have a beard at the time, so I felt awkward. No. Um, it, it's just a, an event where men go, they fill up arenas uh, all across the United States. Um, it, it's just, it's awesome. Uh, I didn't, I never experienced anything like that. The, the music was upbeat, the speakers were very engaging. They had these funny skits, and it's like, man, you can, you can do church like this? And Because uh, I grew up in a very traditional church. Like, this is all a foreign concept to me. Um, and then this one speaker was just captivating. Um, and he just really drew me in. And then all of a sudden he shared that his mom was a prostitute and his dad was a job. And I'm thinking, how does a guy come from those sort of circumstances stand in front of these thousands of men and share this. And he started talking about Jesus. And this was a Jesus that I have never heard before. It's not a Jesus that I knew. And it's like, man, I, I, I want that Jesus. And um, they had this thing where you came to the front and you prayed, and, uh, but he had this invitation. And I'm just, um, we're, we're pretty high up. And um, I, like I wanted to go, but I didn't want to go. And... Um, He's like, you know, if, you're having, if you don't want to come down by yourself, have the brother next to you walk down with you. And it was my dad. And I kind of like had my shoulder. And it's like, uh, I don't want him to see, you know, sort of thing. And, and then the speaker's like, you know, I walked up to section whatever it was, like the farthest nosebleed seats you could possibly have. And he's like, you know what? I walked that today. And it was like a minute and 43 seconds. We're going to be down here at least that long. And so I put my head down, I turned to my dad and asked him if he'd go down with me, and um, I'm sobbing at this point, and he puts his arm around me, and and he's like, man, I'm proud of you, and if there's a way to sob more than sobbing, that's what just happened, and um, I go to the front and just have a good old snot bubble prayer. (laughs) You got to have a good snot bubble prayer once in a while. (laughs) Uh, oh, you want to unpack that for them real quick? What is a snot bubble prayer? <laughs> You're praying and snot's coming out. It's, you can't hold it back. It's, uh, and I had a snot bubble prayer. I, I prayed and I asked Jesus into my heart and the snot's flying and I, I'm just like, I, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with this. I'm done with this. And I asked Jesus into my heart, and I, and I literally, in a physical sense, 
um, felt this weight off my shoulders. I, I, I can't describe it other than that. There's this song that says, my chains are broken. I literally felt like that. I, li- like I almost could stand up straight because I felt this weight off my shoulders. And what's really neat is um, as staff and some of the leaders, we got to go to Grand Rapids this past weekend and uh, spend a couple days at the hotel there at a conference. And uh, we were able to, uh, Brandon and his wife Amy came along and um, it was in Grand Rapids and they have the Van Andel Arena at Grand Rapids and we went out one evening to a restaurant and we walked by it and Brandon says this, that's where Jesus met me. It was just so cool because I, I didn't know it was like we just walked by an arena. Man, I've gone to Grand Rapids Griffins hockey games at this arena. I've seen lots of things at this arena, but I never knew it's a special place because Brandon says that's where Jesus met me. It's a holy ground. Holy ground. Yeah. So now, you know, you've committed to Jesus, right? I mean, you're a follower of Jesus. Uh, what do you do next? What are next steps for Brandon Kinsey now that he's following this Jesus? Uh, so my, my dad, re, uh, he got married and had my uh, brother and my two sisters who I love dearly. and They were so great of asking me every week, like, hey, uh, what church did you go to? What was the message about sort of thing? And, and so at, at this point in my life, I had my son and we were church shopping. And uh, we, we eventually came here and there was like a panel uh, of parents in different situations, divorced, undivorced sort of thing, and just talking about uh, parenting and stuff. And I'm like, I want to learn more about Jesus. So this is kind of weird. But my son came out of the children's program, and he really loved it. It's like, all right, we'll come back. And then I started getting plugged in. I started meeting people. I started building friendships. I got into a small group. I met my wife in my small group. And... I married up. I don't know if you guys have seen my wife, but yeah, I got I heard an amen there. Like, yeah, I married up, and I met her in a small group. We're not passing judgment in. on you or anything. <laughs> so you met Amy in a small group. You guys uh, begin to build a family together, but all of a sudden, uh, some of those struggles begin to rear their ugly heads again. Yeah. Um, you know, you bring two selfish people together, there's going to be friction. And so because of all these things that have happened in my past, um, I didn't know how to deal with those emotions. And um, so, you know, the drugs, um, pornography, um, food, um, being on my phone, like those um, started to grow. You know, it really grew... Uh, back when I had the insurance money, and when the money ran out, the pornography use went up. Um, and so now I don't know how to deal with these emotions because of things that happen in marriage. And it's like, okay, I'm a Christian, but pornography's bad. Okay. So then I eat a sleeve of Oreos thinking that that's okay. Or I go on Amazon because, I mean, who doesn't love seeing that Amazon box show up in your mailbox, you know? Um, or you spend three hours playing Clash of Clans, getting your town hall up as high as you can possibly go. Yeah, some of you know what that meant. Town Hall 9, by the way. <laughs> hey, how many Oreos are in a sleeve of Oreos? One serving. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Sounds like some of you know what I mean. <laughs> then two days later, your guts are rocked. It's like, oh my goodness, why did I eat a sleeve of Oreos? Um, the <laughs> double stuffed. Um, So I'm a Christian, I'm dealing with this stuff, and it's like, I'm not supposed to be. I hear stories of people like, I have Jesus, and now all of a sudden I, you know, I have no problems with this thing that I had problems with before. And I'm just battling it. And a chunk of Scripture that just really just wrecked on my heart, it's uh, in the book of Romans, uh, Paul wrote it, and it's in chapter 7, verse 15. I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. And that's where I was at. Like, I don't want to be doing this. I don't want to be having these struggles anymore. You know, I'm, I'm going to church. Uh, I'm reading my Bible. I'm doing the Christian thing, but I'm just struggling with this. I'm doing what I hate. Paul writes just a couple more verses down. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyways. It's just like this battle that was happening in my heart and in my mind. All of a sudden, you come in a point, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus. I really want to follow him, but I'm struggling. You know, I'm doing everything that I hate. Why is that? There comes a point where all of a sudden you get just fed up. You're like, I need help. Explain that experience. So, yeah, I'm, I'm reading the Scripture over and over again because, I mean, it just resonates with me. I'm doing what I hate and I, I want to do what I'm not doing sort of thing. And I was listening to the radio and there's this program called Focus on the Family. And almost at the end of every episode they have, no matter what topic they have, they, they have like an 800 number that you can call for counseling and stuff. And I finally just got to the point where, you know what, I'm going to call them. And so they gave me a list of counselors that's in this area, and I called a few of them, and it's like, uh, yeah, this isn't going to work. And I finally called this dude up in Kalamazoo. And so I made an appointment with him, and I, st I started, like, I called him because, like, I got an addiction to pornography, and, and it became much more than that. I realized that. But as I'm unpacking this with him, and through, his, and through the Word, like, he literally has a Bible open on his desk, and we're unpacking this stuff. Um, you start to see patterns. You start to realize things that stem back to your childhood that get brought up because of things that happen today. And so the, all the addictions that I have, all the different cycles, it was just a medicine to numb pain that I didn't know how to handle. And so I would have like these breakthroughs where it's like, oh, the light bulb finally went off and I realize, well, the reason why I'm doing this behavior is because of this thing that's back here, but the reason why that went back there is because of this uh, thing that happened last week or whatever. But it stemmed all the way back to something back here. And you, you had a word that described these breakthroughs as you were seeking uh, not only God in the process, but literally seeking professional help at this time, uh, a godly counselor. Uh, you had a word that described these breakthroughs as you were going through this process. Liberating. I mean, I went to an altar to accept Christ into my heart, and it was like the chains were gone. I go to this counselor, and I unlock something in my mind, and it was liberating. Like, I've got this thing with Jesus, 
but my mind is still locked. And I don't want it to be locked anymore. And so through this counselor, um, it, it was liberating to unlock this in my mind. As we wrap this up, what advice would you give those that are out there that, hey, yeah, I've got my struggles, I've got my addictions. What advice would you give us? Don't wait. I've experienced a lot of death in my family over the years. In fact, we just had my grandmother's service a month ago. Um, the Bible says life is like a vapor. It just fades away. Like, don't, don't wait. Um, JB had a post this morning from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 that talks about let us not get in the habit of not meeting together. Um, we have to do community with each other. Um, we, we have to have that. So it, if you don't know Jesus this morning, get to know Jesus. If you know Jesus, get some community. And don't wait. Um, last question. Jesus. It's something that throughout um, your entire story that describes Jesus. He is relentless in His love and His pursuit for us. I'm a Christian with these struggles and Jesus did not give up on me. He loved me through it. And He kept drawing me closer and closer to Him. I mean, He's a God of second and third and sixth and tenth chances and I am so grateful for that that I get to have that relationship with Jesus still. Can we thank Brandon and his story? I want to close with three things. And actually, Brandon hit on a lot of them. But three things this morning. You want to be set free? You've got to run to Jesus first and foremost. But as he said, even as a believer, as a Christian... He was still struggling. What do we do with those of us that are still struggling? We call ourselves followers of Jesus, but we find ourselves struggling. The first is this, the people of God. Let's say this together, people of God. As he said, we need one another. And Jesus set that example. Jesus could have came to earth and done his ministry all by himself. But he chose 12 to do life together. We need our brothers and sisters in Christ. The writer James says this further on in his book. He says, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be what? Healed. Confess to each other. I will say this, in our walk in the Christian faith, we are not good at that. We don't want to share our sin struggles. We don't want to confess to our brothers and sisters what we just did last night. But James, the brother of Jesus, says you got to do that and you'll be healed. We need the people of God. Number two, we need the Word of God. The what? We need the Word of God. Look what the psalmist writes. In Psalm 119.11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That God's Word is living and active. It's an ancient text. 2,000 years old, and yet the psalmist says, why do I study your word? Why do I meditate? Why is it on my heart? One reason, 
that I might not sin against you. And in my home, we have Bibles in almost, I think, every room, even our kitchen, in our bathrooms. It's on my nightstand. It's there in my office at home. I have Scripture everywhere because every time there's a desire that flesh inside of me desires something. As Brandon said, it's so liberating to just go into the Word of God and say, I need help right now. And the last thing we need is the Spirit of God in our lives. Paul, who went from church destroyer, hated Jesus, hated the movement that was spreading in the first century world. He persecuted them. He voted their execution. says, get rid of them. Get rid of these Christians. They're freaks. They're followers of this guy. They had a conversion like Brandon did. The night where he's like, I met Jesus writes to this church in the region of Galatia. And we have the letter Galatians, and he says this, So I say what, friends? Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walking by the Spirit means not just coming on Sunday morning. Walk means every single day of your life, of your existence, are you walking in the Spirit of God? It's a choice you make. And I encourage you, start every day by walking with the Spirit. It will put a new perspective on your day when you begin with God. Let's pray. There's some of us this morning with all eyes still closed. You know you are so far away from God. Just kicking those tires. I want you to know that God is pursuing you and you are so loved. You are so loved by your Creator. And that there is new life waiting for you. With a relationship through Jesus Christ, His Son that came to set you free, who came to say, you can't do this alone. I will set you free. I will forgive you of your sins. If you've never surrendered your life to this Jesus, will you just say this prayer quietly in your heart? Repeat it after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I confess to you I've done life my own way. I've sinned against you. I can't do it any longer. I need you in my life. I believe you went to that cross for me. You died, and three days later, you rose from death. And this morning, I put my faith and trust into you. I surrender my life. Help me to look like you, Jesus. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for rescuing me. Thank you for loving me. 
The thought line is still closed. If there's any one of you that had mentioned that prayer, I surrender my life to Jesus this morning. This is my holy place. Would you just slip your hand up? I would love to just see your hand and just be able to pray for you of that decision. Yes, amen, amen. That decision that this, this morning, I see your hand. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Anyone else? Yes, I see your hand. Thank you. You are no longer that sin struggle. You're no longer that addiction. You are free. Anyone else? Welcome to the family. Heavenly Father, we thank You. There's a party in heaven right now, God. That You have new sons and daughters. And we rejoice and we thank You. We pray for those that are already consider ourselves followers of Jesus. We walk with you. I pray if we're struggling with sin, we're struggling with addiction. God, I pray that chains be broken, that you would come and your spirit would release us from any bondage that has us, God. I pray that we get rose to life. New life is in us. We're a new creation when we're in you. So, Father, we freely worship you and thank you for who you are and how you set us free. And it's in Jesus' name we declare victory. Amen.